I analyze dreams to keep my head level Strip mining the system to stare at the devil A whiny voice flexing but it got no real power You tell them to flee and they'll be gone in an hour One words are like brass knuckles connecting to y'all's jaws of glass I ain't losing, I don't lose, so fight fair This is for the real ones who ears are open, no they're here There's a reason my voice comes through while you're sitting here Something gets a fine tooth, a bump on your way to work And other know the spirit is hitting in, so let it work Yeah Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're tuned into Glowry Podcast. I'm your host, Monk. Do us a favor, go give us a follow on Instagram at underscore Glowry underscore or Twitter at underscore Glowry underscore. Make sure you like, share, subscribe on Apple Music and Spotify. I'm going to run a little contest for you guys. Look, go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Okay. Leave that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of it. Send the screenshot to glowrymusic at gmail.com and you will be entered into a drawing to receive a free copy of my book, Reclaiming the Man, A Rough Guide to Knowing Your Divine Self. Go do that. You know, in a couple weeks, we'll draw for a winner and you'll get your free copy of the book now getting into this week's episode this might be the most important episode i've ever done my uh, good friends steve bearded badger olive and his wife heidi are on steve's been on before uh heidi uh hops on with them and they talk about overcoming adversity and you'll get some more of their story as a couple and then heidi's story uh, having to overcome some very extreme health issues Um, these are again, good friends of mine, very, very special couple. And I have a lot of wisdom, just how to navigate adversity, but then also how to do that as a married couple and stay married. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Recording in progress. We're live. Um, I'm here with the olives, Steve bearded badger, who's been on before and Heidi, his wife, his leading lady. How y'all doing, Olives? Good. Uh, we're doing great. Great. Got a better half on today, so it's pretty exciting. It's going to be yeah, good. yeah, definitely. Um, so today's topic on what we're going to riff on is um going through hard times or handling adversity. So. What are your your guys' just general thoughts first on handling hard times or handling adversity? And then after that, we'll go into some specific stuff because um, y'all both have a story with that, Heidi particular, and, you know, um, in y'all's marriage going through that stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom y'all could give listeners. But just in general, hard times, adversity, what are your thoughts on those things? Um, so me personally, you know, hard times and adversity, one of the first things I would say is that mm, everybody's going to face it at one point or another, you know? Yeah. Uh, And so there's no avoiding it. So, I mean, it's best to learn in good and easy and comfortable times. It's best to learn what to do in hard times because it's just inevitable, you know, it's a matter of time. And 
everybody's hard times and trauma and, and trials and stuff can be different from, you know, physical sickness stuff to, you know, financial stuff, struggles, losing jobs, all these things. And everybody's trauma is different. So you can't really compare one to another, but since we're all going to go through it, it's best to, you know, prepare ourselves and figure out. And one of my main things is just um, to do my best to stay out of victimhood mentality. Cause I think that's probably about the worst, most dangerous thing you can do is just blame everything and everybody else instead of focusing your energy on the issue at hand and solving it, you know? Yeah. It's funny because I was writing down, jotting down some notes before we hopped on to record and you literally said word for word, one of the things I wrote down. (laughs) Yeah. I just put everybody has adversity or deals with adversity, but everybody's adversity is different. Um, And you were like, boom, said the exact same thing. So I just wanted to clarify that. And it's um, something I'm having my buddy Joe on in a couple of days. And we had a long talk about this. And he's going to be talking a little bit about that specific angle of adversity. But, you know, you have some people you run into that have these really crazy stories, you know, really just like almost seemingly insurmountable adversity in their life that they've overcome. And, but that's not everybody. And then you might have people, well, if you compare that person's adversity to someone over here who, you know, maybe it hasn't really been a big deal and not a bunch of big major stuff has happened, but they still face adversity. Um, And it's like, even though the, I guess the scale is different to that person going through it, whether it's, super large or super small it still feels hard and i think that's something you know to acknowledge you know person to person yeah there's uh just as a real quick recommendation there's this um great book that she talks about this a lot it's a doctor dr edith ava eager and it's called the choice embrace the impossible but She's probably, I want to say she's like in her 80s now, but she, as a teenager, was in Auschwitz and both her parents died. And I mean, mean, just like tragedy, like you couldn't imagine, probably one of the worst things going through starvation, all these things. And she survived and then she came out and became um, a psychiatrist. And so her main thing is dealing with people with trauma and stuff. And one of the main things she consistently just says over and over, because almost everybody who comes to her, if they like know her story or read her book, they're like, well, you know, uh, I had a divorce, but you know, I wasn't in Auschwitz. So, you know, and they always compare that, like, well, my trauma isn't as big as yours and I almost feel guilty. And they're comparing. Yeah. And she said, you know, just somebody who deals with, you know, consistent like anxiety or something, which would seem, small to somebody else who's you know had sexual assault or something she's saying listen it's big everybody has their own trauma and it's huge to them regardless so it's like the worst thing you can do is like measure someone or compare yourself to somebody else you know yeah you can't you can't minimize you know that for other people and i think that that's the huge thing and i've even had to calibrate that in my own life you know going through some pretty intense stuff you know years ago but nowadays it's just like it's pretty easy. It's pretty cushy if I compare it, but there's still adversity I face in the day to day. And it's just like, I'll catch myself being like, bro, you're stupid. Like, why are you sweating this when 
you know, a few years ago, you went through all this stuff, but that's just, and I kind of look at it and like, you know what, this is such a blessing. The fact that I'm at a point in my life where I can complain about this little bit of adversity, but that adversity is still hard and you still have to go through it. You can't get into that cycle of blaming yourself and again, slipping into victimhood, you know, where you were saying blaming, right. In terms of blaming everything else for things that happened to you. Like I'll get into this cycle of like hopelessness where it's just like, well, I've tried my best and nothing works out. So I'm danged if I do, I'm danged if I don't, you know, and I get real apathetic, you know, and that's kind of my little, it's, it goes from less from victimhood to more like a martyr martyrdom, you know, about the thing that's happening to me. So. All right. Yeah. Get poopy pants. That's what yeah. I was like, get all poopy pants. I get, poop, thing, you know? get poopy pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Heidi, what are your thoughts just in general? regarding adversity i think that i was gonna say the same thing steve was Whoops. Yes. Um, so i didn't mean to take your answer that's okay it's true so at least from my perspective um i think too that it's important to recognize like there's no one size fits all adversity but i think that there kind of is a one size fits all solution to dealing with it um So, and you know, that looks different for everyone, but I feel like no matter what type of adversity you're facing or how big or small you feel it is, I think that the reaction to it is the important part. (laughs) Um, Whether or not you have the tools to be able to deal with it gracefully or suffer through it, I think. And I think the uh, the answer is going to be the same for everyone, even if it looks different. So, yeah, interesting. So you said something about like having the tools or whether or not you have the tools. So, what would you say are like essential tools for handling adversity? That'd be my first question, and then my second question would be how do you build or practice, you know, using the tools that I guess would help you handle adversity when the time comes? Um, I specifically have found the greatest tool to use whenever you're facing any kind of uh, trouble or issue or... (laughs) Uh, crisis, anything, uh, no matter how big or small you rate it, I think that gratitude is definitely my number one tool for overcoming those things. Um, and knowing how to use gratitude to overcome things, because uh, it's a it's an art form and it needs to be practiced. So, to your second point, I think practicing gratitude daily prepares you for being able to utilize it as a tool when there's bigger things afoot. <laughs> so. No, so grat- gratitude is, is the main, is the main tool. It's the, the yeah. key to the, the key to the tool shed 
I think so. In, right. In my, yeah. uh, in my experience, for sure. Yeah. And then you can practice gratitude. And you mentioned a couple things of practice, uh, how to practice gratitude. Um, and I'll just ask both of y'all, like, what are some specific things y'all do, like, say, on a daily basis in order to practice and build your skill? Because I think it's a skill you know, um, the skill of practicing gratitude. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know for me, <clears throat> I try to vocalize it regularly. Um, I think for me personally, the most important thing is the feeling behind the thing. <laughs> so whatever, whatever it is that I find myself being thankful for, I like to stay in the moment with it and feel it so for instance like we have an amazing place to live right now and it's the nicest place we've ever lived so for me I I just like to revel in it you know yeah be like man I'm so thankful like we have such a great life (laughs) like we have this wonderful place to live we have you know, food in our refrigerator, like there's so much to be grateful for. I like to be able to sit with those feelings and vocalize them out loud. Um, and another tool we use is, uh, we like to write what we're grateful for, especially that helps when you're not particularly feeling it. (laughs) So being able to write it down and read it back to yourself out loud or to yourself, whatever that looks like. Um, I think those are two tools that we use regularly. Yeah, yeah, writing it down daily. So, I mean, this is so easy. Like, you'd be amazed how easy it is. Just literally, you could just spend five minutes a day in the morning just writing, or not even five minutes. You could spend two minutes writing down five things you're grateful for. Um, you know, it can be super simple. And uh, I remember, and this is like probably 20 years ago, but I remember this guy, he used to lead prayer um, at this church I went to, and he and he would travel all over the U.S. like leading prayer. But it was so simple, almost like I think there's some people almost like disappointed in the simplicity. But he'd basically be just walking around with a microphone like I used to complain about, you know, having no shoes until I met a man with no feet, you know, or, you know, what I'm saying like, I'm glad I have, you know, a house and air conditioning. I'm glad I have, you know. Uh, healthy hands or you know what I mean there's always something to be grateful for even if you're even if you're at like the worst point in your life so just um, writing down simple things when you write it does stuff definitely to your brain and then speaking to yourself like confession I mean your subconscious just believes whatever you say so it doesn't understand humor or sarcasm so if you're basically like you know just like I love my life then your brain's like awesome I'll mm-hmm. give you more reasons to love your life. But if you're constantly like, <laughs> <laughs> beating yourself up and being like, uh, I was listening to um, this English lady psychiatrist uh, the other day, and she was talking about, you know, basically like being on your own team. And she's like, people just beat themselves up all the time. And she, you know, she's like one of the, you know, award winning you know, psychiatrists, travels all over the world, deals with movie stars and just real renowned. But she just said, like, your brain will do whatever you tell it to do. It's there to work for you. So if you're like, oh, I hate this traffic commute to work. Oh, I just want to freaking kill myself. I can't stand this traffic. I don't want to do it anymore. And your brain goes, oh, I can solve that. I'll just give you, 
you know, a fever and you won't have to do that for three days, <laughs> you know? And so your brain ends up basically doing something to quote unquote help because that's what it thinks you want. Cause that's what you tell it, you know? So she was just saying like, you know, being specific makes a difference. So instead of being like, Oh, I hate my job. I can't stand this place. You know, she's like, well, just say like, I'm glad I have this job. And then, you know what I'm saying? And then when I work Monday through Friday, you know, on my days off, I recharge like a battery and I feel better. You know, it's just crazy how we're never, we're really taught how our mind operates, you know, um, which is just interesting. It's something you never really learn in high school, college, and some people ever. So just, it's just powerful. These simple things you can do, just writing down things you're grateful for and speaking things you're grateful for is like a game changer for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and y'all both have mentioned writing, writing the stuff down. Um, and that's huge because I, I tried this practice and I still practice it, but I used to do it a lot more. But it was when you're feeling, regardless of how you're feeling, you know, it's like you draw, you know, you make a T-chart on a piece of paper. And then on the left side, you write down everything you're thankful for or grateful for. And then on the right side, everything you're not and every single time I did this, no matter whether I was angry, mad at the world, having a bad day, whatever, or I was having the best day ever, every single time I did it, um, and this was part of the exercise too, every single time I did it, the thankful, grateful side was always two to three times longer than the stuff I'm not thankful for. And the point of the exercise was to show you and to show people that there's, you actually are naturally wired for gratitude and to see a positive outlook on things. You just might not feel like it in the moment, right? And even when you don't feel like it, you can still, boom, put it out there and your brain can recognize or there's a lot more good and there's a lot more to be grateful for than negative, even if I'm trying to focus on the negative. You know what I mean? And it was really interesting because I I did that specific thing for five or six months and it was just pretty amazing. Um, that just regardless of how I felt, good, bad, or whatever, there was always more to be grateful for. And it, and it came quick. It wasn't like I was sitting down having to think and dig to think of things to be grateful for. Whereas to think of things to not be grateful for I actually, you actually had to sit there and really think hard about stuff you weren't thankful for, right? It's just, there's a natural part of gratitude, I think, that's wired into us, at least from doing that, um, I found, in my opinion. Um, and you were saying this stuff about using the mind, um, because our mind is like, it's like the... I don't know what you would call it in a computer analogy, but it's the thing that like uploads the programs that get into the rest of the hardware. Mm -hmm. And so you can use your mind, use your brain to literally upload the program into the rest of your system or to deactivate the bad programs that are running the rest of your system that you don't realize it. And I think with the practice of gratitude, that's one of the huge benefits is it's you're constantly uploading, reintegrating and updating your hardware. If you do it consciously, 
right? Because it's what you do consciously that ends up creating those subconscious patterns um, Absolutely. in your life. A lot of people don't understand, and I didn't for most of my life. I mean, I'm 46 now, but it's like, it took me so long to realize a lot of the patterns that were like on automatic to even realize they were there. You know what I mean? So like, for instance, for me, um, my love of sweets, you know, an addiction to sweet things is basically because my, you know, mom, her love language was like cooking, you know, chocolate cake and a lot of sweet things and stuff. So, you know, um, and the same thing with like just a habit of going to the movie theater, like I have to get candy or whatever, even if I'm not hungry, I just ate or whatever. It was something I would just do without even thinking about it. And it took like years for me to realize like, Oh, this is a pattern. You know, this is just something that I've been doing on autopilot forever. You know? And I mean, I can only imagine how many of those um, patterns that I have that I haven't realized yet. You know what I mean? But one thing about gratitude and writing it down um, and doing those positive things, uh, it's not an overnight change. If you've been negative for 20 years, it may not happen in a week or two. But I mean, there's scientific study that you're literally rewriting neural pathways in your mind and getting them grooved in there every time you consistently do that. You know, so it's definitely no matter where you're at, whether you're a super negative person and you've been caught up in that for years, you can change it around by simple practices and consistency. Yeah. And, you know, I can speak to some of that because, you know, I've been um, I've been working with a counselor for the last few months um, and just identifying one like unprocessed negative emotion. And going through that, now it sucks when you go through that because you have to kind of go back to the moment that caused it and relive it. But then once you go through it again and talk to it and set it aside, now it doesn't get rid of every problem, but what it does is like you feel a little bit better, right? And it's that process of feeling a little bit better. It creates momentum, creates momentum. But like I said, it's not an overnight thing, but hey, you practice gratitude today, even though you're having a hard day, do you feel a little bit better than you did 20 minutes ago? Yes. Okay, then that's a win, right? That's a victory, you know? Um, So that being said, uh, do y'all want to get into some specific hard times or um, oh, yeah, the, the job sure. been, the say, job uh, been through. I just Go didn't ahead. want to cut you off, but yeah, I was going to say, cause uh, you know, Heidi specifically, I think has just yeah. a lot of wisdom of how she's dealt with her, uh, you know, health issues over the years. And I think it's been valuable to a lot of people that have seen her walk through it. And of course I've seen it alongside, but yeah, she has some very uh, practical specific things that she did when she was going through health struggles. So I think, yeah, that, great for her to share yeah let's let's get in let's get into that um for sure yeah um so i was thinking of a specific instance when we were talking about the programs that we have in place in our minds and uh i think i don't think it's intentional but i think as kids when when we're coddled when we fall or when we're coddled, when we don't feel well, it 
instills in us the idea that, oh, well, people will pay attention to me if I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> yes. Um, so obviously it's never anyone's intention to like cause long-term damage to a person <laughs> um, whenever they're trying to comfort them. But I think that sometimes it innately will just bring us to a place of uh, self-pity when we have something going on in our life. Like, we're like, oh, oh me, why did this happen to me? Like, if I, if I feel bad enough for myself, other people are going to feel bad for me. <laughs> um, and, you know, it feels good to have people pay attention to you and it feels good to have people comfort you. Um, but something I've found for myself is uh, when you're constantly speaking about your illness or your trial or tribulation or whatever that is that you're going through, when you're constantly speaking about it, you're attracting more and more of self-pity to yourself because then people are like, oh no, are you okay? You know, um, so for me personally, I feel like not talking about it was a big tool in my toolbox or my tool shed, like you said. <laughs> um, it was a big tool to help me not to dwell or like wallow in that place of self-pity and um, seeking comfort from other people's pity. So um, I think that a lot of people who have known me in the times where I was struggling, a lot of people didn't know that I actually was having health issues because I didn't tell them. And that was by design <laughs> because I wasn't looking to perpetuate that self-pity in me by causing them to feel sorry for me. Um, yeah. And for me, the only way that I even saw that pattern in myself was actually, I don't even know how I saw the pattern <laughs> that, that kind of just showed up in my mind's eye of this is not healthy <laughs> um, and you need to find a way out of it. And I was in like the throes of pain one night, uh, having just serious issues with my health. And I, I like prayed, I was like, I don't know how to battle self-pity and I need to know how, please show me how. <laughs> and I heard clearly gratitude. Yeah. And immediately I started from my toes and I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with my toes. I'm really thankful that my toes are perfectly healthy. And I went up to my feet. And I went all the way up my body. And before I knew it, my physical pain that was excruciating pain I was in that was bringing me to tears, it was completely gone. And I was able to like actually sleep that night. So it's not just a retraining of your brain. It, it has a physical effect as well, which I think is miraculous. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and now, 
<laughs> I have a whole new way to apply gratitude. <laughs> oh yeah. I yeah, mean, for sure. When you're like going through, um, mental and emotional, but even mm-hmm. physical, and that's physical. Just more proof to me that like your mind is so powerful. Your mind can create miracles basically. I mean, cause I've, you know, I mean, obviously we're made in God's image and I think all of us have miraculous capabilities. Uh, but your brain, literally, the placebo effect is proof that your mind can heal your body. I mean, it's uh, absolute proof. Uh, they've literally, and you've heard the studies or whatever, they've tested, you know, they got four people that need knee replacements. Their knees are completely shot. And two of them, they do the knee replacements. And two of them, they just, you know, cut them open and don't do anything and sew them back up. And they tell all four of them that they had successful knee surgery. And, you know, the two that didn't have anything done, you know, are just walking around basically healthy with knees that aren't hurting anymore. Why? Because their brain goes, yeah, the doctor did what he's supposed to, and now it's working. So act as if, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's powerful. Placebo. A lot of people are like, oh, that might be placebo. I've heard people saying, I'm like, as if that's some weak thing. I'm like, it's getting the same results, you know? So I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with placebo effect. It's awesome actually. You know, and it works negative as well, obviously. And yeah, well, I think so much. So many people actually are working, are working and structuring their lives around a negative placebo effect in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I have to be careful of the words that I speak about myself because I can get caught into that really quickly. Like, um, like, oh, wait, what words am I speaking over myself right now? And then if you pay attention to that, I'll notice, no, I'm, I'm literally creating a negative placebo effect in my life. And so let's get into gratitude. But I'm wowed because I've never really thought about it in terms of like physically, like, hey, you know, my old jack, my jacked up shoulder. Well, you know, my other shoulder is great. Like, you know, sit and meditate upon that for a few minutes, you know, it's it's just like a whole, I'm going to throw that into my, um, you know, my meditation work that I do, you know, my prayer meditation that I do daily, you know, um, that's just awesome. Um, the great tool to throw. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, you, you have your, you have your tool shed, which is gratitude. And then you have all these, you know, it's like, you got your chainsaw of gratitude. You got your, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you a new tool for gratitude for sure. One thing um, I'm curious about just in um, y'all's particular situation. I know. Um, and I'm not going to list any of y'all specifics unless y'all want to. Um, I'll leave that up to y'all, but I'm just amazed at the endurance that both of you have had to have um, in going through Heidi's health stuff. So like, how do you navigate? How did y'all navigate? I mean, y'all said um, endure, I mean, um, gratitude, but how do y'all navigate like having the endurance? Cause it was so many ups and downs and, and that just to me is kind of, it's heroic. It's kind of mind boggling watching from the outside in. So just the endurance piece of that, how did y'all navigate that? Um, I would say from, you know, for me, uh, you know, 
And I will say, I mean, I don't think Heidi minds or whatever. Anybody that doesn't know us, it's basically Heidi is dealing with, you know, kidney failure. And there's a long medical term for it that she knows. I forget the name of it. Um, not that it really matters. But uh, so basically at 15, that her kidneys um, had failed. And then her dad had given her one of his kidneys at 16. Um, and we got married when she was 26. So, or sorry, 25. And... Yeah, and it failed, what, I think 10 months after we got married. And anybody who knows us, we got married as almost like complete strangers. It was totally like a miraculous situation. We, you know, basically skipped all the dating process. I, she was living in Florida. I was living in Texas. And uh, we just talked on the phone for, I think, maybe five or six weeks and then just made a date a few months later to get married. And, like, her family was kind of flipping out over it, but... Uh, we just knew what we wanted and we didn't have any desire to do the whole normal route of like, you know, dating for years and, you know what I mean? The whole slow process um, because I was just ready for, you know, a marriage relationship, you know, that was going to be good or I was happy being single and I wasn't going to settle for, you know, anything mediocre basically. And she was at that point too. So we had an interesting marriage where we basically were getting to know each other like literally getting to know each other as we were married, you know, and uh, it was probably less than a year. It was like 10 months in, you know, and mind you, it's like I didn't know her when she had to do dialysis when she was a teenager and all this stuff. So she just took pills twice a day, anti-rejection meds. And other than that, it's like we lived a pretty normal, you know what I mean? Lifestyle, you know, basically other than that, it was like a, living with a healthy 26 year old and wife. And then all of a sudden we were actually moving from, I think, uh, Florida to Texas and her kidney started failing. The one that her dad gave her, which was the only one other than the dead kidney that she basically had in there that wasn't working, it started to fail again. And so she kind of knew the feeling or whatever and had it checked out. And then basically they're like, yeah, that's what's going on. And so not even a year into our marriage, all of a sudden it's like, now I got to learn and, you know, and she'd been through it already, but it's like now together we have to deal with her going on dialysis. All this was obviously completely new to me, um, not to her. But so then she had to go back on dialysis and, you know, and literally go to the dialysis center like three times a week for like four hours. And I mean, she can tell you, but anybody who hasn't done it, I mean, she said it feels like running a marathon every time you get your like blood circulated for four hours, like you're just absolutely exhausted and would have to come home and like nap or basically just be so worn out, not be able to do much of anything. Um, yeah. so it was, it was trying in that way and, and endurance and stuff. Um, but I mean, I, you know, one of my friends, Ed Smith years ago, he basically said, when you go through like tribulations that are really tough or trials in a marriage, it's just going to make or break, you know? And it's kind of like, you're either going to get stronger together or it's going to crush you and, basically like destroy the marriage probably you know what i mean mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course we've seen both in a lot of people and it's not a matter of like i don't think me and heidi being definitely not being better than anybody else or just naturally stronger or whatever it's just a matter of you know realizing you know that endurance and kind of just figuring things out as we go along we had to just do like a lot of learning you know what i mean i mean there was a lot of times those ups and downs when she was on a kidney transplant list for like five years, number one, I mean, the first one on the list and you would think, oh, you're number one, you know, she get a transplant in a couple of months, but 
she was on the list for like five years and we had, you know, numerous times where they'd call us and be like, okay, you got to drive here, you know, two hours or whatever, and, you know, be here within four hours. We got a kidney or whatever. And then we'd, you know, be all overjoyed, get excited and pack and jump in the car. And then like 20 minutes later, they call, oh, sorry, never mind. You know? Yeah. And it's like wow. the emotional roller coaster of that. It's like can't even really be described. You know what yeah. I mean? And that yeah. Happened. Over the years, that happened probably half a dozen times. Right. So, um, and I will say that I actually, I, uh, when we first found out that my kidney transplant had failed, I told Steve, I was like, hey, if you want out, um, you have my permission because this is <laughs> this is not a joyride. Like this is this is not fun. <laughs> so if you don't want to be with me, I would not blame you at all. And I give you a free pass to divorce me right now. <laughs> and I was like, well, how hard is it gonna be? I mean, <laughs> I'll think about it. Let me get the right down to the pros and cons and you know, no. Obviously yeah. I didn't consider that. No. Like he made a T chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. man, let's see here. What yeah, was I that? Think, uh, I, you know, this may be like some old man talk or whatever, but I think a lot of people today almost, I think some of them go into marriage like they're going into a date or something, you know, like, yeah. Almost change the vows to like, if everything goes my way and if it works out good, then I'll stick with it, you know? Yeah. Well, what was that movie? Um, Along Came Polly, where he. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he makes like a pro and con list and then runs it through his like risk analysis hardware. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was These pretty two hard. chicks he's thinking a date anyway. No, um, to that point though, you're saying about like the people going into marriage now, it seems like more like a dating scenario. I guess for me, working in schools and working with youngsters, you know, working with teenagers mostly, most of the time, and I've been doing this for about 10 years now um that whole scenario it's almost like we're um everything kind of in education and public education is geared towards economy and consumption and i think there's something and i think it's subconscious in a lot of people's programming or the way they even view relationships they view it in terms of economy or like it's a, it's a product, they're a consumer. And bro, a relationship is not an economic transaction, you know? Um, and I think that leads a lot of people like in terms of a marriage, like that's why getting together and then divorcing can be so easy sometimes. Um, just to, to the point, what you were saying about that, yeah, I think that makes complete sense. I think we're used to valuing people based on what they can do for us, based on how much yeah. they can make, based on whether they're, you know, you get married and a lot of people get married, you know, younger, whatever they're, you know, not, I'm not, I'm speaking in generalities. I mean, obviously in other countries, um, you know, there's poverty and, you know, everybody's poor and like, you know, some parts of India or whatever, it's like, they're poor when they get married and poor after they get married. But just in America in general, even like a lower middle class person, that's what most of them are in general, you know what I mean? Good health, young, you know, and a lot of things are really good. But it's like, dude, your body's not going to hold up forever. You can do exercise and eat right and definitely have a higher quality of life for sure. 
And um, I highly recommend those things because I think it can make your life more enjoyable and um, up a higher quality. But at the end of the day, like there's no hundred year old squatting 500 pounds and running marathons that I see. You know what I mean? <laughs> just you wait, sir. No. Right. Just, not yet, but <laughs> first, you know? at the end of the day, I think if we depend on all these um, things that are bound to fade away and all the temporary things, you know, that's what, you know, that that's a wrong focus to have because those things aren't going to be sticking factors and there's going to be ups and downs. You know, if you get married and you have $50 million, it's like there could be a time where tragedy could happen and you could be broke. You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you going to deal with that? You know what I mean? You could both be married completely healthy and then, you know, your spouse could get in a car accident and be paralyzed for the neck down and be in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. And you never intended on taking care of your spouse. They were, you know, the provider, there's all kinds of things that can happen that, will severely test, you know, those vows and that commitment, you know, but at the end of the day, if you're, you know, in it for the right reasons for love, which is, you know, unconditional, then it's not really so much a question as, you know, how do I get out of this? You know, yeah. never thought about. Well, and I think there, and I don't know what to call it. I'll just call it magic. I think there's magic to being fully committed it's there's something undescribable that happens not only between those two people, but in the environment around them when they're fully committed, you know, and that's in a relationship or just in a task. I think when you're fully committed to something or someone, it, this, this is just, this magic happens, you know, I'd say like, like God rewards you, but, and, you know, um, I think it's more like you're just being true, to yourself and the other person's being true to themselves and it creates this synergy that just energizes everything around. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, there's so many, um, you know, powerful speakers that I listen to and most, um, a lot of different times or whatever, cause I'll be pushing carts at work at, Co at Costco um, which I prefer to do, just get a good physical exercise. I'm like walking like 30,000 steps, you know, while I'm, you know, working. So I enjoy that, but I can listen to, you know, podcasts, which I do quite often, but most of them, they say like, Hey, most of y'all, you're just one, you know, strong decision away from a better quality of life, you know? So it's yeah. like your health is in the, you know, crapper and you're a hundred pounds overweight. You're just one solid quality decision away from 12 months from now being, hundred pounds less, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, or even 50 pounds, whatever at the pace. But I mean, you can change, you know, things and you can get on track for doing that by just making a decision and following through with it. So it's like being fully committed. I think it's like, I mean, that's most of it really, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's something too to that point. You know, if you look at, you can kind of take what y'all have been through as a couple. And if you, you, you zoom out and look at the thumbnail sketch, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, we can make it through that, you know? And then you hear other people's stories and you're like, um, yeah, I would make that decision. I would make, I would make this decision. I would make the right decision. But, and when you zoom back in and you're actually going through it, like 
it's different when you're actually going through it. When you're in the middle of the fire, it's just different. And so for me, there's a sort of a posture of humility you have to have in terms of adversity, because it's easy to say, hey, looking back at something you went through or just looking at stuff other people went through and, you, you know, it's like, well, I could have made it through that or how did how did they let that affect them so bad? And, you know, the thing is, and I've caught myself doing that. That's why I have to that's why I'm speaking to it, because I have to call myself out having this posture of humility when you're looking at someone else's adversity, or even if you're looking back towards your own, be like, yeah, I made it through that. Um, but like, it was like, it was hard, um, you know, and being honest about that. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's definitely, uh, <laughs> I don't ever want anyone to think that like, what we have gone through has been easy by any stretch like it's uh there were times when I didn't have access to any of the tools <laughs> in my tool shed you know what I mean so um and those were like those were dark times and those were times when I didn't even want to live anymore you know like it's not it's not like everything was good because I knew about gratitude uh there were times when I didn't know about gratitude and there were times when I forgot or was too deep into depression to even look at it. So um, it just happened that I was able to come out onto the other side of those dark moments and um, that depression and gratitude helped me through those things, you know? So yeah, there definitely were some super dark times and uh i definitely would not have been able to survive all that i went through if it hadn't been for steve um and my family so steve was uh an unusual uh and special find for me because <laughs> Pretty much anyone I had ever been in relationships with previously, I can almost guarantee that they probably would have run for the hills the moment I had to like start dialysis, you know? So I don't think that yeah. everybody could have been as loyal and uh, compassionate as Steve was. So. Well, and I think we uh, even each other out in a lot of things, like in our marriage. So. Um, I'm kind of more harsher, hardcore sometimes about some things. And Heidi's very powerful in the opposite way of being like loving and gentle, which is a lot of people, you know, think someone who's like kind and loving is like weak. They look at it like that, but I think it's the biggest strength. So it's like, if there's an area that I'm like weak in, then she evens it out and she's stronger in that area. And then like vice versa, you know? Um, so I just know that, um, she's done, you know, the same for me, like in our marriage. I mean, just because I didn't go through, you know, kidney failure or whatever, you know, anything that extreme, been fortunate that my health hasn't had those kind of issues yet, you know, but just as far as, you know, uh, being an amazing wife and stuff, she's bent over backwards and unconditionally and put up with me when I 
completed my first hundred mile marathon where I was just like griping and hadn't slept in like 28 hours and pretty much didn't even want to talk to her. She was like encouraging me, come on, you just got to keep going, go a little faster. You're not going to make the cutoff time. You know, I'm like, hey, hey, shut up. (laughs) So, you know, we both, uh, I mean, we're not perfect by any means, but we do have a great marriage and, you know, we do have, you know, peace in our lives. And when you, I think when you live in a lot of peace, it's like the smallest thing to somebody else wouldn't even seem like an issue. It's very obvious. Like, but you know, if there's even like any small bit of tension, it's like super noticeable because we live in a lot of peace. And then we just basically like, Oh, I don't like this. You know what I mean? And it won't be, you know, five, 10 max, maybe 20 minutes before we're just like, all right, let's talk this and get it out of the way because we're not trying to live with a bunch of tension. You know what I mean? For yeah. school and then ignoring each other in the morning, brushing our teeth and trying not to talk about it, letting it build up forever, you know? Yeah. Not letting it fester. Exactly. Yeah. What's that scripture? Don't go to sleep angry or whatever. Yeah. 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 Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a lot of wisdom right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. And you uh, have also been a huge inspiration to us. The stuff that you had to go through uh, was definitely not minor, you know, with um, Olive and all those health conditions. With a, You know, I mean, most other couples could have just sat down and gave up, you know what I mean? And pretty much just like, oh, do whatever you can, doctor. We're just going to over here in the corner or whatever but you know you guys showed amazing endurance and resilience through that and now i mean you almost from my uh at least from how you've explained to me almost wouldn't even notice that olive ever even went through all those issues you know yeah yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference basically Um, another kid her age and wouldn't even know yeah i mean other other than she's well, she's a little on the small side for her age, but there are kids her age that are smaller that have no health issues. But um, it's funny. Heidi was saying something about um, going through her process. And, you know, um, our daughter still has, she has a feeding tube, but she doesn't use it. She hasn't used it in like um, probably four years to sorry two years she hasn't had to use it at all she hasn't used it to eat um in probably four but like because she had it you know getting like medicines and stuff we would put through it but yeah she hasn't used it in two years and she's at a place where like the doctor's like hey we can take this out now she doesn't need it anymore but to her it's a part of her body you know like she doesn't she doesn't know the difference you know and so there's kind of this interesting, this is kind of like, there's, there's this weird kind of gratitude and peace about it, her being young and having gone through this process. Like she doesn't know the difference and she's just, she could care less if she has it or she doesn't, you know? So yeah, it's an interesting process um, going through all that, you know, and then, um, and what were you, you were saying about, like, we watched couples that had kids, you know, that were in the hospital um, at the same time as her. And we, you know, we stayed in touch and it's almost 
it's probably less than 50% of those couples are still together. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go through something like that and if you're not, you're not grounded in the, and fully committed in the right way in your marriage, something like that. It's like you said, at the, your um, buddy or your mentor told you at the beginning of this podcast, um, something like that. It's either going to drive you apart and end the whole thing, or it's going to bring you together definitely brought us together um well one of the things i'll say especially with couples or people that you're going through adversity and that adversity is affecting multiple people is that you are going to go through it differently um and that was probably that's probably the hardest thing for us was how we went through it it was a lot different for both of us um you know, with Steph, my wife, obviously, you know, she's the mom. There's a lot of more support for moms in that situation just because it seems like more of a mom thing. And then a lot of kids in that situation, dad is not in the picture. So there's just naturally more support for moms built up. But for her, sometimes she there's all the support and everyone checking in, everyone checking in all the time that she was like, man, y'all just leave me alone. I'm, th- I'm tired. <laughs> of t- I'm tired of talking to all of y'all, you know? Um, but yeah, it was different. And, you know, for me, there wasn't a whole lot of support, but at the same time, I was kind of like, I resonated with Heidi when she said, she was like, I don't, I just felt like in order to stay out of self pity, I didn't need to talk a whole lot about this. Um, so for me, that was part of it because I didn't really want to talk to a whole lot of people about it because they didn't understand what I was going through. And I didn't want to get into self-pity, but a lot of it was um, you tell somebody about what's going on and they'd be like, oh, well, that sucks. Praying for you. And that just made me want to like punch them in the face. <laughs> like. Uh, I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, so for me, it was like, I don't even want to talk to you about it because I'll slip into that anger and just like burn and and let it burn for days, weeks at a time, you know, so it was better for me just to like not talk to a whole lot of people about it, only talk to a few who I, you know, I kind of felt safe with and then really learn like what I was feeling about the whole situation. And for me, it was, uh, you know, it's a lot of helplessness from the man, the side of being a man, being a provider of your family. So then here's your firstborn daughter and you've done everything that you know how to do and you can't help her. Like there's nothing like there's nothing you can do to help her. Just be there, be present, try to have a good attitude and then hope the doctors know what they're doing. You know, and that can mess with your identity as, you know, a man, leader of your household, provider of your family that can really mess with you. And so those were things, you know, I had to work through when she started coming out the other side of it and dealing with, you know, self-worth and all of that stuff. And then for me, you know, I had learned at an early age that, hey, those hard emotions come up don't deal with them, just get angry. And so I would be really, really chill. And then all of a sudden something small would happen. And then I would be in an anger, anger spiral for a week, two weeks. 
and Steph would be like, she would be like, whoa, like, what are you so blowing up about? Well, what was happening was I was pulling in all this stuff that I hadn't dealt with into the present moment. And it's just like, oh, I'm not even mad about this. What's happening is all the stuff that I wasn't dealing with was coming up and it was coming out and me just being angry and being overwhelmed and not knowing what to do with all those hard emotions. Um, but going through that situation, you know, like you get some perspective. So, and that was kind of hard too. Like, and I struggled with this for probably two or three years. It's like, I'd go to work and I'd hear people complaining about something just stupid and minuscule. And I would get mad. Uh, I get really mad. I'd be like, are you really complaining about that? Like, bro, my daughter was in the hospital for five months and she almost died. You know, like, um, or someone would come up to me with an issue at work, something I need to handle and be like, I don't even care about that right now. I don't. Right. <laughs> like, you want me to get really worried about this all of a sudden? Like, I don't even care about it. So there was a lot of this once she was, you know, out of the hospital and her health was getting turned around. It was a lot of this learning how to just be a normal person in the real world and not kind of look down upon people or think these normal kind of everyday circumstances were just like unimportant because they are important. It's just, you know, it's kind of like you go from being, um, you know, to use a metaphor, it's like you go from like being in a war, being in a battle to all of a sudden the battle's over and there's just nothing going on. It's almost like my system like emotionally didn't know how to deal with not being like in survival mode all the time. Yeah. I think it's more um, easily for men to fall into like anger. And I kind of dealt with that too. And exactly what you said, I was going to mention that too, as well. It's like, I would see, you know, some total, you know, healthy 23 year old or whatever that would just be, you know, you know, drinking excessively, just destroying their body and just basically just no care whatsoever and just having no gratitude for their healthy body and just willfully destroying it. And it would just like, I would judge them so harshly, it would just disgust me, you know? I'm like, here's my wife over here with, you know, on dialysis with freaking almost zero kidney function, you know, and waiting for a transplant or whatever, you know, and here's this person just completely healthy and doesn't even, in my opinion, didn't have any appreciation for it and was just doing all this stuff to their body. So it was like, I'm like, ah, I gotta, I just said, realize, dude, that I'm basically, I don't know if that was some, you know, weird way of me trying to deal with, like he said, like the stuff coming up or whatever, but yeah, it's never a positive thing to judge anybody else for anything. I mean, it's never a good thing. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. I, I've had to deal with that a little bit, too, because uh, at one point in time, we had one of our friends, she was struggling with depression and uh, she was like, man, I would trade you any day, your kidney failure for my depression. <laughs> and uh, You imagine someone saying oh, that. Man. I was like, oh, my gosh. 
I think I said that's one of the most ignorant things I've ever heard any human being say. But then, you know, if I if I look at it now, like to her, that was worse. You know what I mean? Like she she was suffering so much that she believed that her situation was worse than my situation. And it was to her, you know? Like yeah. not at the very beginning, like everyone's everyone's pain is their own. And it's important to them and it's big to them. And it's, uh, you know, it was the biggest thing that she had been through. And for me, the kidney failure was the biggest thing that I had been through. And for somebody else, it was losing their whole family to death. You know what I mean? So like, there's, there's not a scale. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like, everyone in their situation had access to using gratitude to get to the other side of things. I feel like that would work for them. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I concur. <laughs> I think sometimes there's a vast difference between existing surviving and thriving and I'll be honest, you know, sometimes during those points, it was like, we're just like hanging on like the end of a rope. You know what I mean? Every day wasn't like, okay, excited to do gratitude today. (laughs) I mean, give me a break. It's like, there's other times where we're just like, oh my God, this sucks. You know, like, is is it ever going to be any different? You know, that type of thing. Is she ever going to, you know, feel better or whatever? And there's all those emotions. So it's like, you know, don't look down on somebody who's going through hell and just existing. Sometimes that's the strongest thing you can do. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Everybody's not, you know, having, you know, peak circumstances, you know, it's just not reality. So if you're, I look at it as like, if you're going through, you know, a horrible situation and you're still surviving and you're still basically, you know, have hope, you know, and you're doing small practices, uh, to try to change the situation, your mindset, then that's a win. You know, you got to take small wins. Yeah, yeah. The, those small wins add up to the big victories. It just takes time. Um, one thing, yeah, what what came up kind of in my mind's eye while y'all were talking about that is like when you're going through it, you know, and you kind of are in a survival mode at a lot of times. You, um, this is something I have struggled with. Like you can't feel guilty for taking care of yourself or taking care of the needs of those around you, like that are in your charge and just doing that when you're going through that hard scenario or going through that adversity. Um, because like in our situation, we missed out on a lot of stuff like you do with a normal one, two, three and four year old. Right. We missed out on, you know, kids' birthday parties. You know, um, there's people we were close with that um, we're not super close to because every time there was a time to get together, a time to go to their kids' thing or whatever, it was like, no, she, you know, our daughter has a doctor's appointment or no, she has she has a cold and now we got to take her to go get checked. You know, there's like all all of these things, but during that season in our life, really the only thing we could focus on was making sure this was taken care of. Um, 
So then looking back, it's like when you're in that hard scenario, you can't feel guilty for not being as involved in helping others because you kind of have to get yourself and your situation healed up and squared away before you can really go out and, you know, give in to other people. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent with that. It's kind of like the old analogy of being on the airplane. They tell you, you know, the oxygen mask comes down, you get yours on first and then you help, you know, your child or whatever. But it's like, you have to take care of yourself first before you can be over there out there helping everybody in the world and all these other people, you know, hundreds of other people in your everyday life. You know, if you don't take care of yourself, your physical, your mental, emotional, spiritual health, then you really can't do anything to help somebody else other than maybe, Hey, this is what you should do. But we both know whether that's true or not. I mean, the best thing you can be to change somebody else is a good example yourself. Simple, you know? And yeah. Gonna see, that's going to, speak louder to them than whatever you're telling them. Your life is going to speak louder. So I agree completely on that. And I had to do the same thing and I don't regret it at all. You know, for sure. And so then do you, you know, kind of being on the other side of things and I find myself kind of in the same or similar scenario. Do you find yourself practicing gratitude towards the adversity that you went through. Yeah, for sure. Um, If I had never gone through any of the things I'd gone through, I would never have the tool of gratitude. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was at a point where I had to have it. And now it's something that's built into me. Whereas before, like, I didn't, I didn't even know it existed. You know, I didn't even know that I had that option to change my life mentally and physically and emotionally. Um, I thought that whatever happened to me was what happened to me. And it was happening to me that I had no part to play in it. So for me, yeah, definitely. Um, so many amazing things came out of that situation. Um, and this podcast, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know who's going to hear this podcast, but hopefully they find some gold in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just that in itself is, is good news to me. <laughs> so. To me, there's, um, it's interesting. It's like, um, uh, uh, almost like a, a mental conundrum in a way because every hero, you know, you watch the movies about the hero's, you know, journey and stuff and they all have very similar things. It's like somebody who's went through struggles and then they end up, you know, overcoming this big enemy or this big obstacle or health challenge or whatever. So it's like nobody becomes um, almost like world renowned and looked up to without overcoming struggle. I mean, literally, and that's how you become strong. So it's almost funny, but like, I remember, you know, Joe Rogan on one of his podcasts, he was basically just saying like, man, if you're some rich kid and your daddy's, you know, some billionaire that just hands you everything, he's like, you're just totally effed in life. And he's basically like, you're not going to build any character. You're going to be basically like probably a trash human being that's entitled, that thinks everybody owes you something. 
And he was like, I feel sorry for kids that are raised like that because he's like, they don't know any adversity. And he's just like, you have to have adversity in your life to overcome and to become better and to become a stronger version. So it's, it's weird because it's not like I wouldn't be like, oh, man, I hope my wife goes through a horrible kidney failure disease and we just struggle for this long because it's going to be great at the end. It's like nobody would probably <laughs> consciously pick that. And it's like miserable. It's not fun. You know what I mean? So it's weird. Like I think about it a lot like and that's crazy. But then you think if you just financially successful and you just have great genes and you have a freaking, you know, ripped six pack or whatever, and you're, you know, naturally gorgeous and everybody kisses your butt your whole life and you just never really go through any struggles, like real struggles, then it's like, um, it's like, where's the like redemption story in that way? You know what I'm saying? It's almost yeah. like you didn't go through anything and nothing was like earned so it's just kind of like, oh, cool, you you got a good life. You know what I mean? It's almost like, so what? Well, in a weird way, you know. It's like the saying, "There, you know, light and dark cannot exist without each other." Um, like, I wouldn't have as much to be grateful for <laughs> if I hadn't gone through what I went through, and uh, if you don't have adversity you don't see the need to be grateful. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, it's safe to say that people who go through adversity um, probably have a lot more to be grateful for and can live in that gratitude, in that place of thankfulness because they know what it's like to be without. <laughs> so yeah um it's kind of like that biblical passage in the bible he who has forgiven much loves much you know um and then also you know you're getting those heavenly treasures as opposed to the earthly treasures when you go through something like that and you go through the test of character um and they really are heavenly or eternal treasures because if it doesn't destroy you, right, you have things now that no one can take from you. They're, they're a part of who you are. You have it and no, no one or nothing can take that from you now, um, which is a huge, you know, I don't know. It's a huge deal. You know, I look at kind of our situation, you know, and, it's this gift of perspective because every time I see my daughter, I know, Oh, she had a 1% chance of surviving. She's eight years old. So it's like literally at any moment when I see her, that thought comes into my head and it's just like, I can't even function. I'm so grateful, you know, but then, you know, after going through all that with her, we had our son and, you know, no complications, hundred percent healthy, normal, natural birth. And so then that's this other gift of like, cause we had a hard time with that. Um, when all of us going through her, her stuff was like, 
all of these people around us are just having these normal, easy pregnancies. Why is, you know, why is ours so hard? And, you know, my wife struggled with that a lot, but then we have our son and it was just normal, easy, you know, no complications. And so it's kind of like that light and darkness thing you were talking about. I see my daughter and she's a miracle because of all the odds that overcame, but in a way, having gone through that, I see my son and he's a miracle just because there was so much hope and so much joy on the other end of going through that whole process, you know? Um, so <laughs> now the, <laughs> the disadvantages of sometimes they, makes it real hard for me to discipline my kids because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, I start to lose it, you know, but then, then one of them starts acting like me and I'm like, okay, it's go time. <laughs> I'm going to drop the hammer on you two little punks. Uh, Listen but, up, yeah. this monk smackdown, right? Yeah, about to lay the smackdown. <laughs> and do you smell what the monk is cooking? <laughs> I was literally just uh, so um, wrapping this up, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Uh, and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, I just say, number one, uh, it's an honor to be on this podcast, dude. And uh, I think uh, the stuff that we're sharing here is real powerful. And I think it's going to help anybody who listens to it. And that's that's exciting. I mean, that's one of the main things. Um, the benefits of going through adversity that you can help other people, you know what I mean? That may have not known, you know, some of those tools or how to deal with it. And every situation is unique, but gratitude is something that's going to help you no matter what. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, it's scientifically proven, but if, when you do gratitude, you can feel it in your body. You can feel it in your emotions. You can feel it in your spirit. You know what I mean? And like I said, it's, the more you do it, um, the more those things increase. But yeah, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do. One of the most powerful practices, you know, I mean, what's more, what's more godly than just being grateful for your life? Really? I mean, does it really get any more spiritual and better than that? I don't really think it does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, definitely thank you for, uh, having us on the podcast and I'm honored that you uh, wanted to hear my story. And I think that for everybody listening, I would say there is an end. It may not be in sight, um, but I mean, Steve and I went through this process over, it was how many years? I mean, maybe long time, 10 like, years. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. At least like eight. It eight was a years. long time. Yeah, eight yeah. years. Um, eight years we, we went through what we were going through. And um, a lot of times it didn't look like there was an end in sight. And um, there wasn't for a while, you know. But hold on to that hope because um, there is an end in sight. And that's also one thing that got me through the difficult times I went through as a teenager with my help um, is the, I think it was a scripture in the new Testament that says um, this too shall pass. And I used to say that to myself as a teenager, like this is not last, this doesn't last forever. Like this is just 
a temporary situation that I have to walk through right now, but there is something on the other side of it. Um, so I would encourage everybody who's going through any kind of um, trouble right now, like it's not a forever thing, even though like, you know, even if the doctor told you it's a forever thing, or even if, uh, you know, you don't believe that it's not a forever thing, <laughs> there's, there's an end to all trouble eventually. Um, and there's hope on the other side of it. Awesome. Yeah. I would, I would echo that, you know, it ends even when it, when it's as bad or gets worse than you ever thought it could be just know you might not feel it, but have it in the back of your mind that, Hey, this ends at some point it will. And, um, then on the other side of it, your pain becomes your medicine and it becomes a medicine for someone else. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of what we're doing here is taking that pain and taking that dark, those dark times. And now, um, we're giving medicine to other people through this. So I just want to thank y'all, um, for coming on and being medicine to others. Yeah, man. Thank you for doing this podcast. It's powerful.